You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dottino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. Welcome inside One Giant Step. We are less than a week out from the NFL Draft. I am your host, Sean Morash, here inside free on the Odyssey app, WFAN. Dot com as well and anywhere podcasts are available you can check us out and download one giant step hit the little subscribe button ding ling 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 right there and you will get all of the new podcasts when they're available if you're listening going oh my goodness my ears why are you so scratchy sean well a blame the fact that the rangers can't stop scoring number one b it's you know draft week nba playoffs nhl playoffs us sports radio guys are working a lot all right boys are shot that's it that's my psa Somebody who's not shot, if you're a Giant fan. The best way to put this is now, I think he just said it, so we'll intro him with this, a really reliable source that is the perfect villain for Giants fans and covering <laughs> their team. I actually think Ryan Dunleavy, New York Post, I actually think Ryan's the star of the offseason for the Giants right now, more so than Joe Shane. Ryan, welcome inside one Giant step. What's up, man? I appreciate that intro. Yeah, like I was just telling you, some fans said, you're really annoying, but you're a reliable source. I'd rather be annoying, but reliable than liked, but unreliable, right? Totally. So. And Ryan, strictly, I, I like to label this a podcast fan for Giants fans, podcast fan, a podcast for Giants fans by a Giants fan. Let me just say this. In the changeover now into the Joe Shane Dable era, where the Giants shockingly seem good now, more stabilized now, you know, it was a good time for a beat reporter to get more reliable here and kind of jump out in the pack and be a leader. So good for business for you being really stable in this offseason. You're the guy we turned to. So just for those who don't know, Ryan was the first one to have that Daniel Jones had agreed on his extension. And although he didn't name Darren Waller by name, Ryan was the first one to throw up, you know, wait, Giants, I'm hearing the interest in a tight end trade is, is strong. And then, bam, the Giants <laughs> trade for Darren Waller. So. We all now follow Ryan Dunleavy on Twitter <laughs> at Ryan Dunleavy going, that's our guy. So off of those two things, Ryan, I think what's really interesting about draft night, because this isn't the same, you know, Giants have a top five pick, top 10 pick, they're drafting a 25 overall, but the, the roster is fluctuating. And you have had this report that you keep hearing the market is strong for the Giants to potentially trade late to mid round picks or for potentially a veteran. What more can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I heard from other teams, basically, uh, it's one of those two plus two plus two equals six kind of things, right? Like other teams have said the Giants have uh, expressed int- – let me start with this. Other agents have told me the Giants have been in the market for cornerbacks and defensive linemen. Other teams have told me the Giants have and them have had conversations. 
or you know, not to the point of, hey, I'll, I'll trade you a fourth for this guy. Just, right. you know, is this guy available kind of thing? Check General. it in. And that's how trade negotiations all start. That's how the Waller thing started at the Combine. Uh, and the thing that a lot of people have pointed out to me, both in the organization and outside in other organizations, is the Giants are a very young team already, adding 10 rookies and that's assuming no undrafted rookies make it adding another 10 rookies to the roster just doesn't make any sense to do so when you have holes and you have extra draft picks the thing to do is trade a fourth round pick say for a defensive lineman they obviously didn't get the deal done with a sean robinson because of physical stuff uh but maybe there's a defensive lineman out there who's healthy who a team will take a fourth round pick for so that's the market they're in right now I asked Joe Shane about it yesterday at his press conference and he kind of smiled and uh, <laughs> said, yeah, it'd be hard. Basically said, yeah, it'd be hard to add 10, uh, 10 more young players that could now look, that could mean he ends up trading three fourths for a high third or something like right. that. that. That that solves the problem too. But my sources as it have indicated, they're looking to make a Darren Waller esque trade for the defense. For the defense. Okay, so that's where we pivot, and it's fascinating because when you first tweeted this, forget last night's tweet, I guess like a week ago, two weeks ago, I mean, that's that's what raised my antenna on it as well. The immediate you know, bombardment of responses I'm sure you got were, <laughs> oh my goodness, is this about Stefan Diggs? Is this about DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins? Because, look, the Giants hated Darren Waller, but we all know how fans can be. They still see this glaring hole of like a true X-type wide receiver. You hear, you're hearing Darren Waller type trade for the defense. So that would eliminate the idea that this would be a wide receiver or one of these big name wide receivers we've heard rumored, right, Ryan? The, yeah. The, the, the positions I heard specifically were, were defensive back, corner slash safety. I, most people have said corner, but safety came up and then defensive line. Okay. So that's interesting because at 25, obviously, this is a really, it's a good position to be in because it means you were good the year before, but a position we are not now used to as Giant fans. It's been a few years, I guess, what, since the Evan Ingram draft, or uh, I'm trying to, you know, date back to when they had yeah. a pick this late that they didn't trade back like the Tony trade. No, so 2017 with Evan. Yep. <laughs> right. I think a lot of people have become hot on the idea of a cornerback at 25. I think that we've seen the rumors as far as John Michael Schmitz, or maybe do they do something very unsexy because they have a need at center. Uh, and then the need for wide receiver is still out there. So do you think this would be one of those ideas where they see the, the board fall to them, see what position they actually do address at 25, then kind of have that meeting ahead of day two and go, all right, we think we got a starter here at 25 for insert position here. What do we really need to address with a veteran before we even get cooking on night two of the draft and kind of look to make a trade in that way? Yeah, I think that's very possible. But remember, it also takes two teams to tango. Sure. So, like, so there's a possibility that a team says, look, that we're going to do we if this guy's available, we're trading him before the draft. So if you want him. You either act now before the draft, before round one, or we're sending him to Tampa Bay. So, you know, so right. uh, the other the the trade partner, if there is one for the Giants out there, could force the issue before the draft. Yeah, okay. what your scenario would probably be ideal for the Giants because I was talking to NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah yesterday on his conference call, and I said if the Giants want to come out receiver corner or corner receiver. Those are the objectives for the first two rounds. What do you do? Which way do you go? And Jeremiah said, um, usually he would always advocate corner first 
because it, there's been so many deep wide receiver classes the last right. couple of years. D, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, et cetera, et cetera. All these guys hit in round two. This year is the opposite. If you want to go wide receiver corner as your first two round objectives, take the wide receiver first because it's a deeper corner class, which I thought was pretty interesting. Okay, so the, so the flip-flop approach of that. And I guess my another follow-up before I get to something like this would be this let's say the Giants go corner because we've all heard it's, you know, it's a, you know, good corner draft, but let's say they do take one at 25. Do you think that my, you know, idea I I projected to you, if corner is the position, let's say means they would be totally out on discounting a trade for somebody they've invested, investigated in, because let's be honest, the moment that Dory Jackson got hurt last year, this team was completely empty there. I know they probably expect a big jump from Cordell Flott in year two. Aaron Robinson's a big, who knows? They didn't bring back Fabian Moreau. You know, this could also be a position where one isn't enough in adding to this roster, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think and both those positions apply, DB, whether it's safety or corner or defensive right. line. I keep they, leaving out safety, but yes, you're right. Yeah, they, they. I think they both apply. And I think what's smart about this regime, Joe Shane and all his lieutenants, is this is a very, and you hear this all the time, best player available, et cetera. This is very much a team uh, front office that realizes we need an injection of talent. Like even last year, the Giants overachieved based on their talent because they had great coaching all the way through the staff. They still very much realize that they need good players. They're not worried about, oh, we have too many corners all of a sudden. Like there's not a position on the Giants where you say they have too much talent. They can't afford to add. So no, I would say even if they drafted Deontay Banks, if a corner they liked a three, four year veteran became available for a, you know, for one of their fourth round picks, I think they would still do that in a heartbeat. And Ryan, obviously you have to protect your sources here, but when you do say Darren Waller type trade on defense, I think anybody listening to this podcast is going to go, oh, that must mean big name on defense. Are you meaning that or are you meaning just in terms of addressing the position with a solid enough starter? No, that's a good question. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. I meant, uh, I appreciate you following up. Yeah, I meant addressing the position with a starter for a you know, mid-round pick, the kind of quality player you wouldn't get in the fourth round. Right, uh, okay. Who maybe has a contract that, like Darren Waller's, is flexible enough that you could rework some of the contract so that when you only have, I think they have two and a half million dollars in salary cap space, you could rework some of the, who has a, you know, who is it just like on his one year walk kind of deal has some salary cap space. You could rework at the end to give you some breathing room. Okay. And now obviously we look ahead to the draft and all the trade stuff, notwithstanding we talked about corner safety. This is a roster still really, really full of holes despite the strides they've made. We knew this was going to be a multiple year work in progress. In your observation, covering the Giants, watching this, what you, you're hearing the stuff on defense, but ultimately, what do you think this team is lacking the most? Like, what would be the biggest disaster to come out of next weekend without? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, to me, to me, it's the secondary. Yeah, I mean, I you mentioned you mentioned a minute ago, like last year, Dory Jackson got hurt. And I thought they were really lucky to survive with some of the guys. Yeah. I mean, and don't forget, Aaron Robinson was hurt, too. And he was supposed to be the... Right. He's an opening starter on the other side. You just look and it's a Dory Jackson and then a bunch of young kids who 
haven't really proven to themselves, which can be fun if you're a fan, right? Like, oh, homegrown draft pick type Cordell Flott. I want to see what he has. Rodarius Williams. I want to see what he has. Um, uh, Aaron Robinson. I want to see what he has. All these guys. Except Giants fans now are expecting to win, right? They're expecting right. to. This isn't like, oh, let's just develop and see what we have. You want to win, and you don't want corner to be a huge eyesore. While safety, the spot opposite Xavier McKinney, Jason Pinnock looked pretty decent last year. But yeah. the, Jets, the Jets cut Jason Pinnock, right? Uh, so and they invested uh, in Dane Belton, though. I mean, you don't know what you know how yeah. Shane and Dable view but him. But Dane Belton was barely playing at the end of the season, which so. was interesting, Ryan. The only reason I bring up Dane Belton was remember he obviously we all know he missed most of camp with the collarbone, and then the moment he was ready to go, it was like wow, they're giving Dane Belton a day three guy significant reps, and then the moment uh, McKinney went down, it was like he barely played. Yeah. He was one of the most peculiar cases on the roster last year, but based on how how it started for him, I, I kind of assume that they want to give Dane Belton every chance to get on the field here. I mean, they invested a pick on. Yeah, but they also signed Bobby uh, McCain, right? The right. veteran the veteran from Washington. Yeah, I think what it is is most staffs want to set up a competition like that, and they want the young guy to win the job, but they want to have insurance. And like I said, I think they have insurance in Bobby McCain. I don't see that insurance at corner, which makes me think that's where the they're going to look to add. And now uh, they've been tied a lot to the center position. That could be just more people realizing, well, Gates left, Feliciano left. Obviously, the Giants need a center. And that I don't want to use the word lazy, but that could kind of be the thing with, that mock drafters are doing right mm-hmm. now with the Giants because Michael Schmitz may not be sexy, probably isn't valued at 25. You know, and there are other centers around the trip. Maybe that's something going around, too. Do you think the Giants are in a position where they would be comfortable entering next year with Ben Bredesen as their starting center? I mean, they want us to think that they they very much are pushing. We don't need a center. Shane Lemieux, Ben Bredesen. I think that would be a very bad idea. So uh, do I think they will pick one at 25? No, but I think if one of the big two, Joe Tipman or uh, John Michael Schmitz is there in the second round, even if we're not talking about waiting till the Giants pick, maybe this is where they, you know, send a second in a, uh, two fourths or a second, a fifth, and a sixth to uh move up a couple spots from what are they 57? Something yeah, like that. If it, move up from 57 to 50 to get their center. I think that's very likely in the uh second round. If one of those guys is slipping, one of those big two, big 10 centers is very likely. No, I don't think that they would be comfortable there, uh, at center just winging it with a traditional guard. I am very nerdy into this kind of deal, like the chess piece maneuvering around the draft. So you have highlighted how many picks they have on the back end and moving up in the second round or something like that. Something I keep feeling is possible if they do like one of those centers and maybe none of the corners or receivers they love. Do you think it's potentially possible that despite the fact that they have all those picks on the back end to move back out, that Shane could potentially trade out of the first round late, you know, for a high second round, let's say a, a team covets, Hendon Hooker, something like that. You know, we've seen the classic, you know, want to get the Mm fifth-year option on a quarterback team. Do you think that's a viable option for the Giants? Or do you think Joe Shane wants to make sure he has a five-year potential contract player in the first round? Yeah, I think that I think it's that. I I, look, teams usually do that at the end of the first round when they don't have enough first round grades. So, like, you only have 22 first round grades on players, you're picking 25th. You don't want to pick a guy in the uh, at 25th, who you have rated, you know, as a second round 34th overall prospect. So you try to move back a little bit. I don't think the giants are in that position. I think they have enough needs on their roster where 
um, they will pick the 25th guy. And then, like I said, I don't think they're looking to add picks. I think they have too many picks as it is already for the youth on their roster. To, because the w- one thing you don't want to do uh, is get to August 31st or September 2nd or whatever cut day, and you have to start cutting your sixth round pick and hoping to sneak him through the practice squad. That happened a couple years ago with the Steelers and Quincy Roche, and that's how the Giants got him. Is like they had yeah. too many young players, so you have to cut your sixth round pick. And then all of a sudden, it's you lose your sixth round pick on waivers, and it's like, well, we should have just traded this pick. Ryan, the wide receiver room and everything they did, it was like just add another, you know, C level name yeah. to the pod here. You know, Jamison Crowder, Paris Campbell. That early on was the pound the table Giants fans want a wide receiver. I think it, it kind of quieted down a little bit because Darren Waller fits what they were looking yeah. for in playmaking. That being said. Everywhere you go up and down and examine this draft, the first round grade wide receivers, for the most part, we're talking about five, 10 guys and shorter, you know, and the Giants have a bunch of those short fluid receivers on the team. Do you think at 25, if the best player available is another short end wide receiver, the Giants have no problem adding and they really don't have an issue with size in that room? Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I think, uh, Look, we point to how Brian Dable and Joe Shane added Stefan Diggs to the Bills, but don't forget Mike Kafka has a lot to say here too. And what yeah. does Mike what does Mike Kafka, and I'm gonna say this very cautiously? The Giants are not the Chiefs, okay? None of these guys are Tyree Kill. <laughs> none, okay, none of these guys are Tyree Kill. But what do what are the Chiefs? They're a dominant tight end. Darren Waller at his best was probably the second or third best tight end in the NFL to Kelsey and Gronkowski. So it's a dominant tight end and a bunch of shifty small wide receivers with position versatility, just because they're small doesn't mean they can't play on the perimeter who catch and run and break tackles. And that's what the giants are right now built to be Paris Campbell's not Tyree kill. I got to say that again, right? He's not, Uh, but that they're the JV version or the B (laughs) version of that's what they're trying to be. Get the ball out of Daniel's hand quickly and your 30 yard gain. Isn't necessarily the Randy Moss style, throw a go route it's throw a five yard pass to Paris Campbell and let him juke his way down the field for a 30 yard gain or do that with Wandale Robinson that kind of thing and I think they think they have smart guys who are positionless and that they can play x y z whatever receiver and move them around and really cause matchup problems for cornerbacks Saquon Barkley how volatile is that situation between Saquon and the front office right now? I spe- you know, you heard Michael Lombardi talk about, you know, the, the culture with the Giants and paying Daniel Jones, which I personally felt was a little bit nonsensical. But here we are. The running back market is what it is. It's not in the benefit of Saquon. He's going to hold out a bit. Uh, I'm just curious on the volatility of that. And can the Giants worsen that relationship if they do arguably the smart thing and take a running back in the third or fourth round with one of those picks? So three, there's three different things really packed in there. One, I'll go reverse. I fully expect them to take a running back in the third to fifth round. Like, yeah. uh, I believe that message has gotten back to Saquon that that is their plan to take a running back in the third to fifth round. I don't think he will be surprised by that the way that like Aaron Rodgers was surprised they took Jordan Love. Like, right. that has been communicated that we plan to draft a running back. Doesn't mean he's going to be the starter, but don't be surprised that the Giants have running back on the mind in the mid rounds. Um, how vo- 
how can this re- can this relationship get worse? Yes, I mean, it, I think what's going to happen is Saquon's going to hold out. I think they're going to draft a running back. I don't think he'll be at OTAs. I'd be surprised if he's at mandatory minicamp. The plan is for the sides to re- reopen negotiations after the draft. Is that the day after? Is that two weeks after? They haven't really had any negotiations since the tag on March 7th until now. The plan is to reopen negotiations after the draft. Whether that is resuming where they left off or whether that's reshaped by the new running back market will probably dictate how much anger is done. I mean, I will not be surprised if Saquon Barkley is still not signed as training camp approaches. They maybe try to get something done and then, uh, you know, you're talking about a holdout. I do think he'll play games. I don't think we're talking about a Le'Veon Bell situation. Saquon Barkley is loves football, loves his teammates. We saw him in Arizona. He's committed to winning. It's just the business side of it. Yeah. So I think when the games roll around, he'll he'll be ready to play for the Giants. But I don't think he's going to do any extra thing that he's not required to do by his teammates. So push come to shove on the tag, he will take snaps for the Giants. Yes, I think when we're talking about September or whatever, he will he will be playing games for the Giants. Yes. Okay, last football-related one before I just have some fun with you on the way out the door. Dexter Lawrence, okay, clearly, it's almost amazing for as much as we crushed Dave Gettleman, and deservedly so, he was kind (laughs) of ahead of the curve on defensive tackles and how valuable they were going to be in the NFL (laughs) because suddenly that has become like the left tackle quarterback. You got to overpay defensive tackle positions. Dexter Lawrence obviously proved he's one of the best in football. Uh, He now is going to hold out a little bit. Understandably, he deserves a long-term deal. Do you think that this is a scenario where, you know, any giant fit should be panicking a little bit that things can get very frosty here with the Giants and Dexter Lawrence? Only because Joe Shane's history so far is a very hard, hard line negotiator, right? He couldn't get anything done with Bradbury. So he ended up cutting Bradbury. Obviously hasn't been able to get anything done with Saquon. uh, And he went to the, you know, seven minutes before the deadline with Daniel Jones. So um, only because it seems like Joe Shane is very hard, which is a good thing, right? You don't want Dave Gettleman just throwing around money to Kenny Galladay, right? So it's a good thing, but that would be the only reason because it's a very clear market for Dexter Lawrence. What Javon Hargrave, Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Simmons, and – uh, who's the third defensive tackle who signed this offseason? Uh, I got to go back and look at it. My brain is um, mush. There's, yeah, there's three. Yeah. There's three There's three guys who have signed since March 7th who all make between 21 and $22.5 million. Yeah. So it's a very clear line. for like You're not going to pay Dexter Lawrence less than – Galvin 20. got a big deal from Cleveland. Yeah, but there's yeah, there's one other there's three guys between 21 and 22 and a half million. And Payne, Deron Payne got Deron the big deal. Yes. That's it. So Payne, Simmons, and uh Hargrave. So you're not paying him less than 21 million. You're probably gonna pay him 23 million because that's the next half a million dollars up from Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. So, like uh, it's a very clear line. It's probably gonna be a four-year deal because they're all four-year deals. So it's very clear where this ballpark is. So it should not be that hard to get that deal done. All right. Lastly, what I'm more fascinated about than anything, because I love a good Twitter knockdown, take them out or whatever. <laughs> you have just embraced the role of, I'm sorry, Giants <laughs> fans. I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear. 
and you could hate me for it. But rather than walk away, as many people do, you know, leave a little Twitter bomb and come back, you have no problem mixing it up with Giants fans on Twitter. <laughs> you know, quote tweets here, responses here. I got to know the Ryan Dunleavy, you know, I think we almost respected as Giants fans. Wow, all right, <laughs> this guy's kind of one of us. What is the approach and what's the mindset with a Ryan Dunleavy on Twitter? That's a, that's a great question. I get texts from my fellow reporters like, "Put your phone down! Like, <laughs> stop doing this! Don't it's like you're." Ryan, I can be honest with you. you. When I thought about, all right, who am I going to have on the week before the draft? Your Twitter, you know, <laughs> both the reporting and the mix up. I'm like, it's got to be Ryan. I've never had Ryan on. It's got to be Ryan. I appreciate that. No, I mean, look, what I started out like uh, covering high school sports for a long time, and I was just. I, my, my rule was like, I'll reply to every email and I'll reply to every tweet. And like, as you know, I've had more followers and stuff. I can't do it. Right. But look, the, I mean, I do this job for fun, right? I was a fan when I was a kid, right? I was right. a fan when I was a teenager. Were you a Giants so like, fan? Huh? Were you growing a up, fan? Growing up. Okay. Was, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I wanted to be, you know, I, I would, I want it. I want the interaction, you know, I, the way you probably called into the fan, you know, I used to write sure, email. Yeah. I used to write emails to the sports writers in town. So like, yeah, I want, I want the interaction. Uh, but yes, I'm a very, for lack of a better term, I, I, I'm sure my wife would say this. I like to win our arguments too. Like I, I can be a little petty. So that probably comes through, uh, that probably comes through on my Twitter account. It goes back to, I had a terrible Saquon Barkley tweet when I was covering Rutgers for the star ledger. Um, I said that I didn't think this was like Saquon's third game in college. And uh, I said, I didn't think he could play in Rutgers loaded backfield. And oh, uh, and uh, Penn State fans just roasted me. And I doubled down and I tripled down. And I obviously couldn't have been more wrong. And the funny thing is when he gets drafted, I get changed to the Giants beat and he gets drafted by the Giants. And I, uh, I you know, those big like Ed McMahon checks. I, yes. printed, I printed out the tweet on a huge piece of poster board like that. And I went over to Saquon thinking like i'd say like here's the story of like let's get off on a better foot than i am with penn state fans i doubted you and here you are and i unroll the thing and he goes oh there's the tweet and he, um he knew about it oh, oh he knew he knew all about it he's like i think i even liked that at one point um and that was obviously the basis for what i think saquon and i have a pretty good relationship now um but yeah, that's guy. I mean, like I doubled down. I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong. You know, I've never deleted that awful tweet. I still get, great. I still get probably fifty to hundred replies during Rutgers Penn State week every year about that tweet. Uh, and this year with Daniel Jones, I happen to be right. And Giants fans were coming at me hard and saying, "No way, he wants forty-five million dollars." And then I was like, "You're now, right. right. That's what started it all, right?" Yeah, yeah, you're right. He doesn't. He wants forty-seven and a half million dollars. And they're like, "I think no I was way. one. Of, I think I was one of those." I, I think I hated your report, but I, I was also under the impression of like, he should ask for that, right? Like start high and, and go low. Like don't panic yeah, I about mean, it. And it, but either you way, know, you roll over it. The people didn't want to believe that he would ask for that kind of money because the perception of Daniel is, you know, not that kind of hard line negotiator. Like do the team first, everything about that. No, he, he Daniel Jones was a businessman and, you know, oh, he did, he must have changed agents because his agents wanted too much money. No, he want he changed agents because his agents weren't asking for as much money as he wanted. They told because his agents told him, uh, "I don't know if we're going to be able to get that." Well, we'll change agents and we'll we'll ask we'll for go that. Get that. So he was a real businessman, and Giants fans didn't want to buy that until you know a couple other people ended up reporting the same thing, and 
you know, some details leaked out. And yeah, that Giants were hoping for 33 and he was hoping for 48. And what's in between those? $40 million a year. Ryan, I, I absolutely love this. I think that this is the perfect week before the draft. Listen for Giants fans, especially those who want to get to know the real you. And honestly, you know, everything from the Darren Waller of defense stuff. Uh, I could not have asked for a better guest this week. You could follow Ryan Dunleavy at R-Y Dunleavy. Uh, that's R-Y-D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y for those who can't spell like me. Check out his work on the New York Post. He's going to be finishing up this Nets Sixer series, which is a Net fan. <laughs> uh, last night was their shot, and that was pretty much it. But I know it's a busy time of year in New York sports. It's a great time to be covering it. Ryan, you're the man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on, John. Appreciate it. Thank you to everybody. Remember, next Thursday night, the Odyssey Draft Show, free on the Odyssey app after the Giants pick. They're going to put me up. I'll be breaking down the Giants pick alongside I believe Jason Lockett for and Brian Baldinger. If I'm wrong, I'm sure James could edit that out. And away we go. Remember, you can download and listen to One Giant Step free on the Odyssey app. Thanks to James, our producer. Thanks to Ryan Dunleavy, our guest. Enjoy draft week.